Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. It feels like an eternity ago that we played the Battle for the Golden Egg. I mean, it really does. A lot has happened. A lot of coaching carousel flips and that sort of stuff. Now we're in recruiting or in-home visits going on. There's just a lot to digest these days. I'm going to do my best to help you through it. On today's show, we're going to talk about some recruiting stuff, some in-person visits, some coaching carousel stuff. And then thankfully, at this point, Mississippi State is unaffected. That said, as these head coaches settle into new positions, there will be some opportunities. I don't think that you're going to see anybody leave on the offensive side of the football by any stretch. I don't know if you've seen anybody on the defensive side. You know, Zach Arnett obviously would be a candidate uh, for several jobs, as he always is. This is a guy that's done a good job at Mississippi State. And the thing that I go back to with Zach Arnett, and I know this year that uh, there were times that we didn't give up a lot of yards, but gave up some big plays, so as a result our scoring numbers were kind of skewed. But the reality of it is, is that uh, Zach Arnett has not had a star-studded defensive group to work with. What is he going to do when he gets the typical Mississippi State defense? You say, well, you know, Steve, we're really good at corner, and we are. You got a couple future NFL guys out there, Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes. You absolutely do. You got some other guys out there that can play their way in. But right now, you've got a lot of good defensive players. I don't know that you have a lot of elite defensive players. And I think that's an important part of the process. What will he do when he has a star-studded defensive roster? So I believe if Zach Arnett stays on for a couple more years and you look at how this 
you know, defensive rosters beginning to shape up. You've got some, some younger guys that are developing. I think the best days could be ahead here at Mississippi State. And I don't know if Zach Arnett wants to be a head coach or not. I'm, I've been told by multiple parties at this point in his career, he's not really aspiring to that position. But he is a guy that likes coaching defense. I don't know that Zach would want to do all the stuff that head coaches have to do when it comes to, you know, you know the rubber chicken tour and that sort of stuff, all the alumni functions. I don't really know if that's his strong suit. Not to say that he wouldn't do it. I don't think that he would be nearly as entertaining as Mike Leach, obviously. But I think Zach Arnett's best days are ahead. And I think when you begin to look at what this defensive class could be stacked on last year's defensive class, I think you can get really excited. Now, I have told, been told by a couple of people that are, let's say, let's just call them closely affiliated with Mississippi State football, that we have some freshmen that have been outstanding this year. They've had a little playing time late in the year. Still going to be redshirted, right? And still going to be guys that uh, probably compete in the spring for a spot on the two deep. Guys like Ty Cooper. Guys like John Lewis. And then Corey Ellington. Corey Ellington's a guy that uh, there was a possibility last year that people thought that Mississippi State may drop him. And now he's a guy that's played some as a true freshman and is a guy that we expect to really compete next year. Now, you expected Ty Cooper to be really good. You thought John Lewis, of course, you know, one of the high risers late in the recruiting process last year, if you recall, State had to beat out Ole Miss in Florida State, you know, to get him. And once he decided he was going to Mississippi State, that was it. There was no drama with him or anything like that. And that kind of gave us some hope this year at Germantown, too, that said, hey, maybe that will give us a, a lead in there. Of course, Xavier Harris uh, headed to Ole Miss and Branson Robinson uh, to the University of Georgia. Doesn't always work as well. But the bottom line is John Lewis is a guy that we do expect to be a big-time player here at Mississippi State. And so the building blocks for an even better defense are in place or are being put in place. And so in the event that Zach Garnett stays – which I suspect he will, your defensive effort, I think, is going to be even better. In the event that he does leave, let's say he gets a job that he simply can't turn down, the new guy, and I suspect Mike Leach would probably stay with the 3-3-5, they're going to come in here with a cupboard that's pretty full. And so that's one of the things that I think about is, you know, even if we made a a change in defensive scheme, you got athletes. You got some headbangers in there that can make some real plays for you. And so, again, it goes back to recruiting. We talk all the time. It's not always X's and O's. It's about Jimmy's and Joe's. You got to have guys that can make a play for you. But we have, I would say, this year, defensively, and I don't mean this negatively about anybody on our football team, but you lose Jordan Davis, who was your best pass rusher, in fall camp. It's kind of a freak thing. But you lose that guy. And then, as a result, Randy Charlton, of course, has to take that spot. Randy's played well. I I won't say that he has been a guy that defense offenses have had to line up to account for in a pre-snap read. But this is a guy that's acclimating to SEC football, expected back next year. Tyrus Wheat had a huge fall camp and had a really good year for us, led us in sacks this year. He's expected back. And so I think you're going to see guys like Randy Charlton, Jordan Davis, Tyrus Wheat, take a nice step next year of course Jordan Davis recovering from an ACL injury and you know that that may take some acclimation too but the reality of it is is we have a lot of pieces expected back Jalen Green a guy that we signed and converted from corner to safety had a pretty good year for us too 
Not really a difference-making year, but he was good. Could be really good next year. And so those are the things that I think about, you know, as we get into the silly season, is that no matter who we have, we have the players on campus in our development pipeline and others on the way to put an even better defensive unit on the field the next couple of years. As great as the last couple of years have been, and I would say at times last year, you might have even got a better effort uh, last year. You didn't have as many guys. You know, this year it's been a little bit different. You've had better depth at safety. And that's one of the things, too, you go back, you know, the battle for Golden Egg. We talk about making progress. Remember last year, I mean, Matt Corral, basically, it would get him behind the chains and it would be third and 12. He would just dial up a shot down the field and they would get a receiver paired up with a safety. And many of those guys that were playing safety at that point in the season were career special teams guys, and they beat us. Well, that didn't happen this year. We didn't have that situation. So we showed some improvement there. But those safeties have to be better. We know this. You know, Dontario Drummond had a huge day against our secondary, and a lot of that's because they got him paired up on a safety. So let's uh, kind of be appreciative of what we have and then I think be optimistic about what is to come defensively. And as you see this offense beginning to mature right before your eyes with a quarterback that we suspect will be here at least two more years, and then you look at the fact that this wide receiver core is just getting deeper and deeper. You know, we committed a lot of scholarships to it last year. And I had, again, somebody else closely affiliated with Mississippi State football tell me, Antonio Harmon is a beast. The exact words and exact description, a beast at wide receiver. Jacoby Moore, I'm told he can, quote, flat out go. And then you begin to think about Teddy Knox. Probably the most explosive of those three. And so those guys played very little this year. And you begin to think about them working into the mix. And as good as our receiver core has been this year, all of a sudden you get some bigger, stronger athletic bodies out there. Next thing you know, we could really see a really nice run here uh, under Mike Leach. And, of course, uh, you know, we've all dealt with uh, – Barry Switzer makes a comment about if he was hiring a coach at Oklahoma, he would hire Mike Leach. Well, let me give you a little backstory on that. Leach – and Switzer go back a ways. You remember that Leach was the offensive coordinator for one year under Bob Stoops at Oklahoma before he got the Texas Tech job. So Leach and Switzer used to hang out a lot. Leach even writes about that in, in Swing Your Sword. And, and why wouldn't you? You're one of the most charismatic and successful college football coaches of all time. And I know that there were a lot of people in the NFL that didn't really care for him. Um, so the reality of it is, is that we have taken a solid stride forward this year. But the pieces are in place for us to take an even bigger stride next year. And I think we're laying the groundwork for some stability. You know, it's one of the things that we all loved about the Dan Mullen era is that even in a rebuilding year, we were a bowl team. Now, some of that's got to do with some good scheduling, right? But we also had some good teams. Because years ago, you know, the generation that I grew up in, you know, it's like we would work and work and work and work and work. And then we'd get a senior-laden team, and we'd go to Liberty Bowl. And then the next year, we'd go, you know, 3-8. and eight. And then the next year, you know, maybe we're 6-5. and five. You know, so it's like we had these roller coasters with Mississippi State football. We're up, we're down. Dan Mullen brought some stability where we could expect to put a winning team on the football field just about every year and find our way into the postseason. 
I think that's what we're back to. Like I had somebody tell me this other day, said, hey, Steve, I look forward to the day that we don't have these peaks and valleys. I said, I believe we're there. I believe now Mike Leach's system has been installed, but also his culture. And again, talking to people closely affiliated with Mississippi State football, they tell me the buy-in that these players have into what Mike Leach is building is incredible. So there is a buy-in. Now, we have not had guys hit the transfer portal yet. I still expect that to happen. I know some of the names that are expected to go. I'm not going to mention that because, you know, what happens if they change their mind? You don't want to put that information out there, and then all of a sudden the guy's are like, no, nah, I'm not going to go. And then 25,000 people on Twitter are like, hey, man, I thought you were leaving. What's going on? So we're not going to put those names out there to protect some identity, but we do expect that. Now, I saw some, some people with uh, – some unbridled glee that Ole Miss had a handful of, of guys transfer out a couple of days ago. And, and so I just tell you, don't laugh too hard because the same thing's going to happen to us. You know, it's just – and it's not necessarily, you know, an indictment on their program or our program. It's just kind of the culture of college football now. When guys come in and they're not playing as much as they'd like to, they kind of want to reboot it. That doesn't mean they all think they're going to go to Alabama. There are some people that say, you know what, hey, maybe I need to go to Southern Miss – or maybe I need to go to UAB because I, I want to get on the field. You only get a short time in life to play sports. And so they want playing time. So it's not always about looking for the bigger uh, fish in the pond. I mean, there's always, you know, like, you know, Williams at Alabama. Of course, that worked out really well for him. But, you know, those stories are kind of few and far between. So we will have some transfers. And that's going to open up some more spots for recruiting. And we're going to discuss some of that a little bit later in the show. But uh, just kind of wanted to give you guys some inside uh, on some conversations I've had in recent days that I think it's important for you to understand. We're going to talk some coaching carousel stuff later in the show, but you know, as of now, you know, I guess Steve Spurrier Jr. was mentioned as a candidate for the Duke job. He's not expected to get it. I don't think there's anything to be overly concerned about that. You know, of course, Steve Spurrier Sr. coached at Duke before he went to the University of Florida, so there are some family connections there. So it makes sense. It makes sense. And a lot of these guys, too, yeah, they want their names mentioned you know, for these jobs. You mentioned, you remember Tony Hughes. I mean, Tony was a lifelong assistant and at one point wanted a chance to be the big whistle, and he got that at Jackson State. It didn't work out, and he came home to Mississippi State, and we're glad that he's here. Absolutely glad that he's here. And so at some point, I think every coach kind of aspires to be a head coach. It just takes a little time, right? It just takes a little time. But nevertheless, I hope and trust that this will be a relatively quiet silly season for us you know it's just like the whole Barry Switzer thing we talked about you know it's like Barry Switzer makes a comment and next thing you know there's 20 articles written where people are aggregating his comments oh would Mike Leach go to Oklahoma and then of course our inboxes fill up on social media and on jeanspage.com that would he really go to Oklahoma guys he wasn't even listed as a candidate just because somebody said it everybody just kind of panics a little bit and so just take a deep breath. I know we're used to that, you know, with Dan Mullen. You know, when Dan was here, it's like we're held hostage every single offseason because he was mentioned in connection with every job except for uh, Bug Tussle Tech. You know, so we're kind of, I guess, a little bit skittish. You know, when those things come up, we're a little bit sensitive. But I think it's important to kind of take it for what it is. Let's look. Well, there's a report that Mike Leach might be a candidate at Oklahoma. Okay, well, what's the report? Let me click on this and read. And then you find out the report is Barry Switzer just saying on a radio show, hey, this might be a good decision. And that's the extent of it. Not that Oklahoma officials have said it. Not that Mike Leach's agent has said it. Just Barry Switzer makes an off-the-cuff comment on the radio, and next thing you know, it impacts our fan base. And so I think it's important, as always, you know, 
avoid the clickbait bandits. There are a lot of people out there that write these sensational headlines just to get you to, to click on it so they can make a little money, whether there's any substantive report or not. And I can promise you over at jeanspage.com, we're going to do our best to keep you apprised of things. We're not going to be 100%. We, we aspire to be, but sometimes things don't go our way. I mean, with recruiting and with you know coaching searches, sometimes things change. So we do the best we can to provide you information. If you hadn't done so, please check us out. Come be a member of jeanspage.com. We'll answer all your questions. A lot of times you guys tweet questions to me. I don't always answer them. But if you go to jeanspage.com, I'll answer every question you have. You go to Paul Jones, he'll answer your questions too. So we've got a panel of experts there. We're happy to answer your questions and kind of share the inside intel as we get it. Not always going to share that on social media. we'll, We'll help calm the masses a little bit. But if you really want to know the details and kind of what's going on and get the skinny, you want to come talk turkey with us, it's jeanspage.com. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Took the crew to Bulldog Burger Company yesterday. Took Paul Jones, Mike Nemeth, Robbie Falk. We all went and had a great meal together. Uh, Robbie didn't eat. Didn't eat. Had some sweet tea, though. Said it was spectacular. Mike got his uh, regular special. That's the spring rolls with a side of fries. And then he got a chocolate shake to go. How cool is that? Mike living his best life as a member of the Jeans Page 247 staff. I don't remember what Paul got, but I know that he enjoyed it. I got the Sloppy Joe sliders. That's a good lunch item. You know, it was one of those things when I was a kid. It's like that was always a treat, man. When they made Sloppy Joe's, mom made that. I'm sure it was easy to make. And for me, it was like, hey, this is, this is spectacular. So when I eat those Sloppy Joe sli- uh, sliders, it reminds me of being home. A little bit oniony at times, but um, they're cooked, so I can kind of deal with that a little bit. If they were uncooked, I would be marching in the streets. But uh, we had a great time. Good service, man. And what I like about it, too, is, is uh, especially the one here in Starkville, is you can go in there and have a conversation. You know, some places you go and the noise is just so overbearing. It's like you might as well just text each other. Not the case. We had a great meal. We did. Had our, our quarterly business meeting. It's what we do. Trying to do that more regularly. It's always good to get everybody together and share some ideas. And there's no better place to do it than Bulldog Burger Company. Because everybody can kind of get what they want. You want a good, great restaurant, a great restaurant quality hamburger, look no further than Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive right here in Stark Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And, of course, the brand new in Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Getting a lot of reports, too. People say, man, I, I went for the first time, had a great time. You will, too. These people know how to feed people. They do. It's what they do. It's what they specialize in. It's not like, oh, they're a bar that throws in food for kicks. Not the case. You're always going to eat well. And let me remind you, as always, I'm sure that you have some college students in your life or even some high school students or some young adults or whoever or just a friend. Give the gift of Bulldog Burger Company by going to eatwithus.com and you can get those gift cards. And you've got a difficult niece or nephew that you don't know what to buy for. Give them a dinner. And you can get those Eat With Us cards, and you can use them at the entire family of restaurants, whether it be, you know, the Grill, Sweet Peppers Deli, uh, Harvey's, or Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, it's a great opportunity you know, for you to maybe give somebody a date night. Look no further than eatwithus.com and Bulldog Burger Company. Go check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's look at some basketball. The Mississippi State ladies in action tonight. Kind of a return to action for them. You know, they have uh, 
It played uh, over the weekend, you know, at the Ocean Center, beating Dayton and then losing to Michigan. That's nationally ranked Michigan. So it's a good test for the ladies. Ended up being our first loss of the year. We're 5-1. and one, But you lose to a top 10, top 15 type team, considering that you're still figuring out some chemistry type things. There's no shame in that. It ended up being a 16-point ball game. Uh, we didn't expect to win the game, I think, by and large, as a fan base. But the fact that we went up there and won a game, I think we can feel good about that. And so now we'll be, be home tonight against McNeese State. The Cowgirls uh, coming in. They're out of Lake Charles, Louisiana. I have a lot of people that have asked, where is McNeese State from? Well, McNeese State, McNeese State is, uh, is in Lake Chuck. So if you're familiar with them, they're 3-3 uh, three and three on the year. So it should be a chance for us to kind of stretch our legs a little bit. You know, we're, at this point, we're not in a position that we can take anybody for granted. But I do think that Doug Novak and his staff are doing a good job getting these ladies ready to play. And at this point, if we had told you beginning of the year, hey, State's going to be 5-1 and one after what we endured last year, you'd say, man, I'll take that right now. South Dakota State, that's going to prove to be a really good win for these ladies. A really good win. We win that game 76-71, probably a tournament team there. And listen, it hadn't been a very robust non-conference schedule, but playing in the Daytona Beach Invitational against Dayton, that's a team obviously that is, has NCAA tournament aspirations as well. And Michigan's a, a team that will likely host in the women's tournament. So feel good about where we are. Need to knock this out. And then, of course, the big ball game coming up on Saturday in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, we'll take on Oklahoma. So another test for the Bulldogs, you know, you're going to see some more Power 5 uh, athletes there for sure. But, you know, probably not on the same level as maybe some of the things that we're going to see in the Southeastern Conference, but they are 6-1 and one on the year. They lose to Oregon, who was a top-10 team, 98-93. So they can clearly get out and score. And if you look at a lot of these scores they've had, they have really put the numbers on people. I mean, they have really, really, really rang the register. Uh, they knocked down Minnesota here recently, too, 88-69. And that was down in the Bahamas. They win that tournament down there. The um, Excuse me. They won, won two out of three in the Bahamas. And then recently knocked off SMU, 84-72. So, again, that's a nice test. We'll get the warm-up with uh, McNeese State tonight. I know many of you are planning to attend that ball game. There are plenty of tickets available. You can get those through the Mississippi State Ticket Office. I always encourage you to check there first. There are a lot of people, I have friends of mine, that say, hey, yeah, I found some good tickets on StubHub, and it was only this. I'm thinking you could have got them at face value through hellstate.com, something very similar. So that's kind of where we stand with the ladies. And um, just to kind of give you a quick progress report, too, you know, Rakia Jackson is playing up to her potential, and we need her to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, those are the things that excite me a little bit, too, is when you start getting all the horses pulling in the right direction. You know, we signed Rakia. You know, we were expecting her to be the face of the program. And uh, maybe that's what's happening now. Maybe she is kind of maturing to that. That would be really exciting, too. And, and it's, you know, you've got to have some people that can get out and score. And that's the thing about Rakia Jackson. There are times when she's on, you know, she can kind of take over a game. We, we've seen that happen. You know, when she's really motivated and on her game, She's one of the most prolific scorers in the country. So she played in five games. She did miss a game. They said it was precautionary. She came right back, and a lot of people were concerned about that. But, um, you know, looking at her numbers here, I mean, she's averaging 
nearly a team high with 33.4 minutes per game. Getting a lot of a lot of production out of her. Uh, 37 made baskets out of 99 attempts. Got to get a little bit better there, for sure. 11 blocks, averaging 19.8 points a game. And in many respects, she's kind of a volume shooter. I mean, you remember how Victoria Vivians was early in her career. You know, she didn't beat you off the dribble quite as much, but she was uh, somebody that could fill it up. You gave them an opportunity. Uh, Jerkelia Jordan, 17.5 points a game. Anastasia Hayes, 14.2. Those are your three double-digit scorers for the ladies. And, we, you know, Danae Carter has played, you know, pretty good on the defensive end down there. Uh, 12 blocks for her, which is, leads the team. Uh, Rakia Jackson second with 11 uh, Maya Taylor doing a good job on the defensive end as always. That's really kind of what her niche is. She runs the offense and then kind of harasses opposing point guards. Uh, 19 steals on the year. Also has a couple blocks. Handed out 38 assists to 10 turnovers. Got to reduce some of the turnovers. And she's done a good job staying out of foul trouble. You know, when you have an aggressive defender, at times you get those reach-in calls, right? She, you know, so she, she has done a really good job of that. Just nine personal fouls called against her in six games. There were times that she would foul out early in her career. So she's really matured and has been somebody that we can count on. And so uh, that's kind of where we are. Kanisha Godfrey played one game. You know, she was in the portal, out of the portal, played a little bit. Uh, now she's back in the portal, as uh, our Robbie Falk reports. And so wish her the best. You know, there's no point in having any, uh, in, any hard feelings. You know, that's the second transfer, I guess, uh, here in the last couple of months. You know, Jasmine Shavers was a highly touted recruit that we – won a big recruiting battle for, and, uh, and she's left too. And, and there's going to be some turnover. That's just kind of how things are. Anytime you have a coaching search, uh, it's part of the deal. And don't have a lot of details about the coaching search, but here is the thing that I would, I would go back to. You know, it's like on paper, it looked like we made a really good hire the last time. It really did. Didn't work out, and so we move on. The good thing is, is we didn't, you know, we didn't have to, you know, bottom out as a program, I guess, in many respects before we were able to make a change. And listen, we wish Nikki the absolute best with whatever she's dealing with. Wish her the absolute best. And there are no hard feelings. You know, but our loyalty, obviously, is to Mississippi State. And so we want Mississippi State to be a winner. And I think that's kind of what we're trending towards, uh, you know, once again. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time we didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and 
things of that nature, you can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here. And you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Eufy is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out, or perhaps have the Security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. All right, looking over at the men's side, your men back in action December 2nd. Can you believe it's already December? It is December 1st. The 5-1 uh, and one Bulldogs, they drop a game to Louisville over the weekend. We were absolutely anemic from three-point line. And then against Richmond, we win 82-71. It's a game that we were pretty much in control of, and Richmond made a late run, tied it, forced overtime, and then we took take charge there. Uh, Tolu Smith coming back. That's big for Mississippi State. Yeah, for the first time, we're getting healthy. We talked about that in the preseason. You know, if we could – Find a way, you know, to be 5-0 and or so going into our – or I guess it was 4-0 into the Bombers, and um, we'd be okay. And I, I think we are on track. That's the thing you look at with all this. I mean, you beat North Alabama. You beat Montana. Neither of those games are close. You beat Detroit Mercy, a team that had some talent, didn't have a great record. You beat Moorhead State. Some people think they may actually be um, in the tournament. They could win their league. Then you lose to Louisville, which is obviously – that's always a tough matchup, even though we've had some success against them. Then you beat Richmond. And so here you sit, you know, with a 5-1 and one record with six games in. And I think we all feel pretty good about where things are, are projecting. We'll play Lamar uh, Thursday night in Humphrey Coliseum. Hope that you guys can come out and join us. I know some of you are thinking, well, not that football season's over. Maybe we'll go up to the hump. Hey, this is a team – that is playing well, and I still believe that their best basketball is ahead of them. I think many of you probably feel exactly the same way. You know, we'll be able to judge better, obviously, when we get into league play. But uh, this is a team that has a lot of potential. We've had some transfers that have come in that are acclimating well, and then you've got some regulars that are back that are that are doing a pretty good job. Now, this game against Lamar should be one that we can kind of get out there and probably empty the bench a little bit. Uh, they are 1-6 on the year. Their lone win came against Wiley College. That's right, Wiley College. They get beat 104-75 at Miami of Ohio. 
They hang in there with Georgia Tech, though. They get beat 75-66, a one-point loser to Stetson at home. Southern Miss beats them by seven down in Hattiesburg. That's a Reed Green Coliseum for those of you that are unfamiliar. Then they play at UTSA and lose 79-73. And then Texas Tech got after them pretty good on Saturday, 89-57. So while you look at that record, you know, a lot of these games have been competitive. There were some that kind of got away from them. Uh, but that being said, there should be a, a nice talent differential that favors Mississippi State. And I think getting Tolu back gives us a real lift, especially inside, and will probably keep some people off Garrison Brooks. And that's one of the things, too, I think Tolu Smith is probably undervalued at times as a passer. So when you make that entry-level pass, everybody collapses to his side and double teams him. He can find Garrison Brooks there uh, with the extra pass. And so, feel, again, feel good about where we're headed here. And I think – I don't know there's anybody in the Mississippi State media the last couple of years that has maybe been so hard on Ben Howland and me. And I just kind of call it as I see it. And that's why I feel good about this group. When you show it on the floor, it's pretty easy to get on board. And that's the thing. A lot of our fans have kind of held their breath a little bit and like we're just waiting for this and waiting for that. Guys, this is a good team. It is a good team. And I think it could, I, I'm expected to be a tournament team. I don't think there's any question. That's what we all expect. So you win on, on Thursday against Lamar, and then you have a really, really big game in many respects. Another nice test for us with Minnesota coming in, another Power 5 team. Uh, on Sunday. That's a 1 p.m. So you can come be with us and get home that night. Come enjoy Starkville. Many of you are in the habit of coming up here on weekends anyway. You can't tailgate. I guess you could technically, but the bottom line is is we need we need the fan support and we are getting better numbers this year. I, you know, that was the thing too that everybody used to talk about, you know, the the guys on the beat would mention on Twitter, you know, about how crowd, how bad the crowd size was. You hadn't seen that this year because you guys are responding. And I think that's a byproduct, too, of the play of this team and I think of our expectations. I think we all feel like, hey, this is kind of the team we've been waiting for. You know, we had a really good team a couple of years ago, you know, with Tyson and Reggie and Robert didn't quite work out the way we had hoped. But we had some guys that could play. And I think this group rivals that group. I think we're in the tournament. But I think we're also a team, too, that, um, you know, if we don't kind of find some cohesion at times on the offensive end, you know, we could be kind of sweating this thing out at the end of the year. Uh, Tolu's been back for a couple ball games, of course. Not They're not forcing him, I guess, in many respects. Just 26 and a half minutes played. But he's been really good from the floor. 14 of 16, doing a really nice job, averaging 16 points a game in just the two games. Iverson Molinar still being your star, averaging 15.8 points a game. Shaquille Moore, a guy we didn't talk a whole lot about in the preseason. I mean, right? I mean, yeah, so we, oh, we got Rocket Watts and sort of stuff. But, um, you know, Shaquille Moore has really come on uh, averaging double digits too. You got five players actually averaging double figures. Garrison Brooks, of course, 10.8 points a game. DJ Jeffries, 10.3. So these are some guys that can find the rim for sure. Now, looking rebounding-wise, and this is where I think State can be really strong in, in conference play as well, with Tolu and Garrison Brooks both out there at times, I think it's going to be difficult in the half court for teams that are maybe just average shooting because I think we're going to control the glass. Uh, Tolu averaging nine boards a game. Is this a rebounding machine? Iverson with four. Shaquille Moore with 3.2. Garrison Brooks, 6.7. DJ Jeffries, 4.7. And Cam Matthews, 6.3. Cam Matthews, a defensive stopper. And so, again, looking at this roster, we're playing a lot deeper. 
I mean, you kind of look at these numbers here. I mean, you got Javian Davis, Cam Carter, Anderson Garcia, Cam Matthews, DJ Jeffries, Garrison Brooks, Shaquille Moore, Iverson Molinar. That's eight players that have played in five games or more. And there were other times, that's without Tolu most of the time, right? There were times, you know, we would go six or seven deep. Well, now we're looking to potentially go nine, and you throw in Rocky Watts now that he's healthy. You know, you could be running nine and ten deep once we get into the SEC rotation. And it's about, you know, finding roles and for Ben to kind of find out, you know, who plays well together on the floor. So, again, on track, five and one, I don't think anybody is upset about that record, especially considering who the loss is to. You know, we beat everybody we should have defeated. You know, we lose to Louisville, which is a team that, um, you know, is a proud basketball program. And so nobody's upset about that loss. And I think now it's time for us to say, okay, football season's over, okay? I love Starkville, so let's come up on the weekends and support the team. You know, in the midweek, it's going to be difficult at times for you guys to get here. I get it. But it's not like football where it's a day's investment for most of you. You can come up, watch a basketball game, and get home in time for supper. So we encourage you to do that, and uh, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to do that here in the, uh, in the weeks to come. Let's take a look at our top ten list today, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler is a is a friend of mine, and he's a friend of yours. And we've talked before, anytime that you have some difficult business to attend to, it's helpful to have a friend in the industry. And that's what you've got with Blair Chandler. I've known Blair a long time. I trust Blair Chandler. I do. I trust Blair Chandler. And I, I'm a guy that really doesn't trust many people. Maybe it's because of the fact that uh, – you know, I'm an addict or whatever. But the bottom line is, is I'm just not very trusting. But I know that I can trust Blair Chandler. And uh, I've trusted him with some things. He's trusted me with some things. He is a guy that I would trust with my mortgage. There are a lot of people out there that want your business. There are a lot of people to them, you're just kind of a name and a number. And then you're, you're alone in the pipeline. And once you're done, you're finished. Well, you're going to have a relationship with Blair. As close a relationship as you want in many respects. This is a guy that tells me, you know, Steve, the interest rates are going to go up at some point. They're, they're, they're really good right now, so it's a great time to refi. It's a great time to refi and perhaps get out of, uh, you know, PMI insurance and things like that, or perhaps lower your overall monthly payments, consolidate some debt, maybe do an addition to your home, perhaps uh, put in a pool. Maybe you've thought about that and thought, how will we ever afford it? Well, get your equity working for you. And maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time. Or maybe you said, you know what, Steve, uh, you know, I've gone through a divorce or my life's been you crazy, whatever. I had to file bankruptcy. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I want to be able to leave something to my children. I want them to have a home they can always come back to. Well, Blair can help you with that too. Top 1% in the industry, not just in Rankin County, not at the, you know, in, at the, in the Pisgah poll, right? This is a guy that does it nationally. 21 years of in, in, experience in the industry, a guy that will take care of you. And because you're a Boneyard listener, he's what he's going to do for you. Just mention to him, either by call, text, or email, that you heard about him on the Boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a $500 value. Absolutely is. That's a great value. A lot of head expenses with all this. Because Blair wants your business, he's willing to compete for it, and they're going to pay for that appraisal. Give him a call at 601-500-2344. That's not an office phone. That's his personal cell number. Because we're all family here, right? 601-500-2344. Shoot him a text. Give him a call. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous about this at all. There's, there's not a loan that Blair has, hasn't seen. He's seen it all. A lot of complex borrowers. Maybe it's mixed-use property. There's some zoning issues. He has seen it all and can help you navigate through uh, the mortgage process. 
That's closewithblair.com. Okay, so I had a couple people reach out to me in recent weeks and said, hey, you know, Steve, we hadn't done modern rock in a while. And I got to look into the list, and they're right. We've had some great success. You guys loved that MTV Unplugged list. Absolutely loved it. The numbers are through the roof. One of the top ten Boneyards uh, top ten list of all time. And I was just kind of on a whim. I was like, hey, what if we did MTV Unplugged? I was enjoying Alice in Chains Unplugged that day, and I said, let's do it. You guys love it. It's great. And that's the thing Roy always keeps up with. It's like Roy tracks the numbers, you know, these engineering folks. Uh, but Roy tracks the numbers, and he's like, hey, we've had a really big week last week. I mean, Night Ranger did really well for us. Uh, my personal dedication to the Ole Miss fan base, one of the most listened to top ten lists of all time. And so it's funny, like, every so often I'll get a message from somebody, well, I don't really like the top ten list. And then I'll get these numbers where like 20,000 people viewed the list. 20,000 people. 20,000 people. Think about that for a second. So you ask, so do I listen to the one guy that messages me? Well, I don't like Steve doing the rock reviews. Okay, cool. Fast forward it. But I got 20,000 people listening to a, you know, a top 10 list. So who am I going to listen to? I'm not going to focus on the negative. I'm going to focus on the 20,000 raving fans of music. So we're going to do some modern rock today. And a few of you have hit me up in the last few months and said, Steve, I would love to hear your take on one of the most successful modern rock bands in the industry today. And I'll be honest with you, I was not a huge fan of this band when they first came out. I thought the lyrics were very sophomoric and simplistic. I thought the band rocked, but I wasn't a big fan of Ivan Moody. That's right, I'm talking about Five Finger Death Punch. I used to kind of affectionately call them Five Finger Fruit Punch because I thought they were just kind of getting over. I didn't think there was a lot of substance to what they were writing about. And you can say, Steve, are you kidding me? You're a big Motley Crue fan. Okay, okay, you got me. But at least I wasn't a big Poison fan like you guys. But the reality of it is, is Five Finger Death Punch has grown on me. You know, in the beginning, I was like, I don't know about these guys. But they play them a lot on, uh, on Octane, on Sirius XM, which is the only channel worth listening to at times. That, that and Hair Nation. Sometimes Lithium, I guess. But I'm an Octane guy. But Five Finger is like one of the headliners. We talk about there's a lack of headliners in modern rock. Five Finger is one of them. Now, I may have a personal bias, too. There's a guy, a friend of mine, one of my first tattoo artists. Uh, he lost a girlfriend to a member of Five Finger Death Punch. It's like all they go to a show, they meet each other, they begin to correspond. Next thing you know, she's moved to Las Vegas and is now running around with Five Finger Death Punch. And so maybe, maybe that's one of the reasons I was so hesitant to jump on board. But they have finally won me over. I do, I've even gone back and I enjoy some of the earlier stuff. But um, I think Ivan Moody and the group has really develop the maturity songwriter so here's your top 10 let me give you a couple honorable mentions first let's go with the bleeding never enough and battleborn those are your three honorable mentions and those were huge hits for them on modern rock radio all right so the song that really started it for them and a song that i did not like but i'm okay with it now but it's under and over it that was their first huge hit and then everybody's like losing their mind about it I didn't think the vocal was very good. I, I, it's like this guy's just kind of screaming at me about stuff he didn't really believe in. But um, I kind of dig it now. I don't like it nearly as much as the rest of the catalog, but you can't put a top ten five-finger list together with not having under and over on it. Number nine is coming down. And I love the acoustic blend on this one. 
I love how it begins and it kind of builds and builds and builds. Number eight, and this is one of those songs that makes me speed. It's the pride. I think you guys will dig that one. If you don't, if you're unfamiliar with Five Finger, let me just tell you, these guys are really heavy, and you don't need to listen to this around your kids. Okay. Now it's not, you know, Two Love Crew or anything like that, but they're going to use some language that you probably would want to repeat in front of your kids. So again, let me give you the not safe for work warning. But the pride is one of those songs that really, really kind of gets me going. I really dig it. Number seven, one of their sillier songs, a little bit off today. And this is, uh, you know, when you're having a bad day or whatever, and it's just like, you know, I just want to get through the work day and get home and get back in my bed and watch Netflix. This is what kind of that song is about. It's like everybody is an irritant to me. No matter what goes on, no matter what anybody says, it's like everybody's on my nerves. That's what that song is about. I'm a little bit off today. Number six, Far From Home. And this is another one that I love the composition guitar-wise on this one. And, um, you know, Chris Kale and those guys, even Jason Hook, those guys did a good job when they were with the band. But they do a really good job kind of putting all this together. I think song composition with Five Finger has really grown. I think a lot of that's got to do with their management. And basically, you know, the band itself, you had to kind of innovate a little bit to survive. You know, you can't just sit there and scream at people and expect to maintain the fan base. They have kind of diversified a little bit, and I think this is a good example of that far from home. Number five, and this was actually the lead track on, there's there's out eight Five Finger Death Punch albums. There is Wrong Side of Heaven, I guess, uh, volume one and two. So Wrong Side of Heaven is what we're going with at number five. And this is one of those things, too, where just, you know, it's about being ostracized and that sort of stuff and being an outsider uh, in society and uh, maybe not being fully accepted. Maybe you're trying to be your genuine self and then the mainstream doesn't really accept you. And, and uh, that's kind of what the song is about. It's like, you know, there's all these people having this great time and I'm just not a part of all that. And so I dig it. Number four, and this is one of their biggest hits, and there's so many people that this was the song that kind of hooked them in to Five Finger. And Ivan Moody has done several interviews about this song. It's about personal pain. It's about some things that he's endured relationship-wise. And then he had some stuff, obviously, with uh, some family issues. And so it's a very vulnerable song. And it's basically kind of reminding people, you know, it's like I've I've been through all this stuff. And while I'm famous today and I've got money, I, I remember everything. I remember everything that happened. And... I'm kind of like that stuff, too. That's one thing that I'll say. People always say, Steve, you've got a great memory. That's a blessing and a curse. There are a lot of things I wish I could forget so I could move on from it. But that's kind of what this is about. It's like, if you guys think everything is great with me, but you know what? I remember all that stuff I went through. And I do. It doesn't impact me the way that it once did, but I never forget it. I never forget I think when you forget it, you lose the lesson. Number three, and this is without a doubt one of my favorite ones. Oh, my gosh. Like, there, you know, we have these things where you can uh, – personally dedicate songs they would never play this on on uh on terrestrial radio but champagne that's one that i would absolutely dedicate to a lot of people it's all champagne and it's not champagne with a g it's sham s-h-a-m pain p-a-i-n champagne i absolutely love that song i i I used to listen to that on repeat when i'm driving to town number two another banger it's wash it all away this is another one of those it's like i i don't want to deal with any of this stuff i just wanted to get it all behind me and it's going to move forward with life but number one for me and it's actually a bit of a duet 
One of the great rock vocalists of all time sings the second verse on this song. And if you're familiar with the Five Finger Catalog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's Lift Me Up. I absolutely love that opening guitar riff when it comes. I, mean, I can't play it loud enough. I turned it up in the car to the, the speakers start to blare. I love that opening riff. It's like we know that we're on a roller coaster. It's like, this is, hey, this is a rock song here. Okay, it's not a love song. We're fixing a throw down. And that's one that I love about it. And then Rob Halford sings that second verse. And I get chills sometimes when I hear him come in. Rob Halford, of course, from Judas Priest. Another band that I was kind of late to the party with, too. And, and it's and kind of for a silly reason. It bothered me that Rob Halford had short hair. That's funny, right? I just felt, well, he's not committed. He's probably got like a day job working at Subway or something. And, and then like he joins the rest of the guys on the weekend to be a weekend warrior. But uh, the reality of it is, is Rob Halford is an absolute legend. And uh, I, I miss interpreted Judas Priest early in my career, right? And so I love this track. I absolutely love Lift Me Up. That's why it's number one. I think you guys will dig it. I don't care if you've never heard of Five Finger. You owe it to yourself. Maybe you don't want the whole list. You put that one on. You put on Lift Me Up. And I don't care what kind of day you're having. It's going to get your heart racing. So there you go. The top ten list, Five Finger Death Punch. We weren't, Roy wasn't expecting that today. Five finger death punch right in your face. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. And I might just use your idea. We got a pretty good list together. I, I, I kind of went off script today just because I was, I, I was YouTube kind of picked the song. Because like when I'm working, I just kind of have music playing in the background. And I look up and five fingers play. I'm like, hey, I haven't done five finger list. So here we are. Five finger death punch again in your face. All right, let's get ready to move on. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I love those people. I really do. They're like family to me. And, and you hear me say that, but if you ever saw me interact with them, you know, I, I have been recently told that I am a people pleaser. And I kind of reject that label a little bit because I don't really believe I am a people pleaser. But I do want people to like me. I do. I'm not going to go out and be somebody I'm not to get you to like me, though. I, I'm just kind of thick-skinned in that respect. It's like if you don't like me, I am perfectly okay with that. There are some people you got to deal with from time to time, and you want them to like you, at least at the point that you can all get along, get the job done or whatever. But, uh, you know, I don't go out of my way. I'm not going to you know, pretend to be somebody I'm not to get somebody else's approval. And so I reject that. That said, I want the people at Campus Bookmark to like me because I like all of them. It's true. It's like when I walk in there, it's like walking into Cheers. It's like it just feels so warm. I feel like that, hey, these are my friends. This is my place. I am welcome here at Campus Bookmark. It is a Starkvillian institution. And I've had many of you that have reached out to me and said, Steve, I had never gone in there until they started advertising on your show. And so I think it's been a good relationship for all of us, for me, for you, and for them. Go by and see Stan the Man. Stan told me last week when he was putting my name on the marquee to announce a book signing that somebody pulled up and said, hey, are you Stan the Man? And yes, it is. It is Stan the Man. Stan Ray is outstanding. He's a great guy. You'll love him. You absolutely will. And, of course, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie, Candy, the whole crew there, wonderful people. And many of them have worked there for years and years and years. And that says a lot about a business, right, that they can maintain staff that long. And, of course, they kind of supplement with some you know, college students that um, they kind of come through every now and again. But the reality of it is Campus Bookmart is here to serve you. You're not going to find better Mississippi State merchandise anywhere other than Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by you being a loyal Boneyard listener, we're going to give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. 
And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let me give you a bowl update. Not much has changed. Not much has changed. Now, some of the projections out there are beginning to change. Some people even projecting us to be in the Gator Bowl. Now, based on the people that I've talked to, there's not really been much of a mention of a Florida Bowl game. It is possible. It is not likely. Some people have said, well, Gator Bowl. Well, you know, we've been three times in 10 years. So that's a trip we've made. We're familiar with the bowl game. Would we sell tickets? Don't know. When we went in 2010, it was brand new for us. And so we went and had a great time, and then we you know, beat the mess out of Michigan. So, of course, we go back and lose Northwestern, and then we beat Louisville back in 17. But I just don't know how realistic that is. There are going to be three teams in the playoff or New Year's Six, obviously, with Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss. And then you've got Kentucky, Arkansas, and A&M who had a better record than Mississippi State. So I believe that's probably your Citrus Outback and Gator Bowl teams. Now, it is not completely out of the realm of possibility that Mississippi State could get the Gator Bowl. But it is a very, very, very slim possibility. Very slim. State, of course, would be in that group of six bowls. We've talked about that. And, of course, that's, of course, that, that's the Outback, uh, the Gator, uh, Music City, Texas Bowl, uh, Liberty, and the Dukes-Mayo Bowl game. That's the old Belk Bowl game. So we're going to be in one of those ball games. And now there's a lot of talk, too, that you know Texas Bowl would love to have LSU. I don't think people expected LSU to be available. And I was told two weeks ago Texas Bowl loved Mississippi State. We'd never been out there. We were going to be a winning team, the whole leech angle. So that's a possibility. I, I really think it's trending more towards the Liberty. Now, we will have some real intel late Saturday and, of course, the formal announcement on Sunday. Now, I shared with you guys that if Alabama made the playoff, that could change some things. And people have said, well, How much does it really change? Because there's still three teams in that tier. Well, what happens is, what if there is chaos in the other conference championship games? What if some other people play their way out of the New Year's Six? What does that mean then for Kentucky? You can say, well, Steve, that's pretty far-fetched. And it is. But there is the remote possibility that we could have somebody else sneak in if there is enough craziness that they could play their way in. They could kind of you know get in based on when the uh, carousel stops spinning. Very, very slim possibility. But the reality of it is it looks like we're kind of locked into that you know, group of six. We talked about that many times before. But there is a lot of heat about the Liberty. And some people say, well, Steve, it's the Liberty Bowl. So years ago, the Liberty Bowl and the Independence Bowl were considered you know, the two lowest bowls of the SEC tie-ins. That is no longer the case. You know, now you've got the Birmingham Bowl and the Gasparilla Bowl that are the bottom two. They're, they're beneath that group of six. And so it's not the bowl that it, it once was in many respects. I think it's held in, in much higher esteem. But some of our fans look at, oh, it's failure. Well, basically, if you rank all the bowl games, Liberty is probably seventh. And if you look at how the SEC teams finished, 
Well, guess where we finished? Seventh. You say, well, Steve, yeah, we're fourth in the West. That's true, but you're, you're, you're behind uh, Georgia for sure on the other side. You know, you're behind Kentucky. You know, so you start putting the math together here. And so it makes sense for us to go to Liberty. There's also the, the geographical factors that involved there. And I, I can promise you the Liberty absolutely wants us. I was told prior to the Egg Bowl that if Mississippi State won, that Liberty was looking more at Tennessee. I just don't think Tennessee will be there when that bowl is slotted. I think, you know, Tennessee, uh, do they end up in Music City? You know, we'll see. Is there a possibility we go to Music City? Yeah, it's possible. But I go back to what you and I talked about, and we are always straight with each other. You go back to the very beginning of this process. We said probably best case scenario was 7-5 and five with a Tennessee bowl game. And so that looks to be exactly where we are, which is a solid step forward. So if it is a Liberty Bowl, and I've already seen, you know, the discussion on social media, I'd rather be in Texas. And other people are like, I can't go to Texas. I'd rather be in Charlotte. All of it's going to shake out. But I can't even begin to imagine, you know, sliding all these six and six teams. You know, does geography play a factor? Do you think, okay, let's sit up, put Auburn in Birmingham. Let's put Florida in the Gasparilla. Let's put LSU in Texas. Let's put South Carolina in the Belk Bowl. And let's see Tennessee to Music City. Does that a factor? Possibly. You know, the SEC is in a very unique position. We've never had 13 bowl eligible teams. And so there's going to be that check that we get every year. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger every year, the bowl rev check. It's going to be bigger than it's ever been. And if we get two teams in the playoffs, then that's going to be a nice little bonus on top of that. So if you're looking at this from strictly a Mississippi State point of view, being a member of the Southeastern Conference has never been more valuable to the Bulldogs. You know, and Vanderbilt's going to get money too. They're not even going to play in a bowl game. They went 2-10 this year, but they're going to get the same share, with the, almost the same share as everybody else. So the reality of it is, is uh, we are on track – we have taken solid steps forward as a program, and we are kind of building ourselves towards next year. Now, it's one of the things that we talked about beginning of the year is I think we could be a good team this year and a great team next year. I still believe that. I know the schedule on paper looks a little more difficult, but I don't know that there's a lot of teams out there that really want to play Mississippi State, considering it will be the veteran team next year and will be the team that's kind of gone through the growing pains of installing two different, two different schemes, and now they're beginning – uh, to kind of take root. So I don't think that we're a team that people are going to look forward to playing next year. And I think, obviously, we have a chance to potentially play our way. I think a Florida Bowl next year, I think, is a given. But if the cards fall just right, we could play our way into a New Year's Six game next year. And I think that's the big part of this. And there's a lot of Mississippi State fans now in the sound of my voice saying, well, it's always about next year. No, it's not always about next year. You know, next year came this year in college baseball. We, we won an NFL championship. May have forgotten I got some messages, too, that kind of tickled me. I said, man, I would give the NFL championship back if we'd have beat Ole Miss. Guys, that's the kind of fan – we want it, We got to breed that out of the fan base. There is no way I would give back a NFL championship in anything, especially college baseball or football, for a rivalry trophy. You just wouldn't do it. I, listen, I, nobody hates losing to those guys worse than me, but I can be objective about it. They're a team that's really good. They had a really good year this year. They got, you know, the Connolly Trophy winner, right? You know, Matt Corral had a big year. It's going to be probably a first-round draft pick. 
uh, in the draft, maybe a second rounder. But the reality of it is, is they were kind of built to win this year, and they did. And I think we're kind of built to win next year, and I believe we will. We stay healthy. Uh, that's an exciting part of it. Is you know, If we can stay healthy, I think we can do some really cool things next year. Now, let's look at some of this coaching carousel stuff. I'm fascinated by this stuff, especially when we're not involved. Thankfully, I have developed a few sources over the years, people that run in agent circles, and sometimes they use you. Sometimes they'll leak information to you and say, hey, this is really going to happen, and it's really just about kind of getting their client's name mentioned in connection with a job or two. But the Lincoln-Riley thing is just amazing. I mean, we've seen two huge power plays with Lincoln-Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. Now, there are some rumors out there that Lincoln-Riley, of course, was close to – to taking the LSU job. I don't know that I believe that. I know what people have said. But I was told a couple weeks ago, this is all smoke, that Lincoln Riley might make a move, but not to LSU. And so, and again, we go back to this whole thing, when they leak out numbers, when they leak out contract details, that's typically coming from agents. Because if I'm going to hire you for a job, and I offer you, I don't know, $8 million to do the job, surely you'll take it, right? I'd be a great guy to work for. Well, then you don't take it. Well, then the next person that I offered a job to, I got to offer them a comparable salary. I can't offer you $8 million and then offer somebody else 6 That's just not how life works. And so when those numbers get out there, you need to kind of understand that that's not coming from the school. The school would never weaken their own bargaining position by leaking out salary numbers. Just wouldn't do it. It's just not how it works. But Lincoln Riley now at USC, that's big. So what happens at Oklahoma? I guess we'll see. A lot of people think Brett Venables is going to get that job. And Brett, you know, I had a friend of mine say, I hope Brett Venables gets the job so I can stop hearing his name mentioned as a coaching candidate every year. If Brett Venables gets the job, does he take Jeff Levy with him? Maybe. Jeff Levy, of course, got it signed with Oklahoma out of high school. Uh, currently the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss and has done a fantastic job and was in, in the – the finalist, I guess, to get the UCF job last year when they hired Gus Malzahn. I think if Gus doesn't take a job, Levy's probably the head coach at UCF today. Guy's a good coach. Guy knows offensive football, for sure. Understands the RPO. And speaking of RPO, looks like Joe Moorhead's going to take a job at Akron. And good for Joe. I really thought, though, that Joe would get a Power 5 job somewhere. Yeah, you never know. Maybe his family didn't like it at Oregon. Who knows? But Joe spent five years at Akron. He's very familiar with the program there. It's reasonably close to home. You know, he is a Pittsburgh guy. And so wish the best for Joe. Hope that works out for him. And uh, hope that they go up there and win some ball games, and then Joe gets an opportunity somewhere else. But uh, I really thought Joe would probably land in the Power Five somewhere. I really did. But we all have our own motivations. I mean, I mean how many times did you say, well, I'm just, we're just going to move back home to be close to mom and dad? A bunch of you did that, and maybe you took a pay cut to do it because you can't put a price tag on that kind of stuff, being close to family. I'm, I'm a little different, I guess, than many of you guys. I mean, I, I got, I'm a bit of a workaholic, and, um, you know, I don't, I, don't go to, uh, I don't go to a lot of family stuff. So I stay really busy. I wish I went to more. Probably should. They're not, they're not always going to be there. But I know a lot of people make those decisions. I know when I got ready to move back to Mississippi, it was very important to me to be closer to family. I thought about that. It was a big, not just to be close to Mississippi State, but I'm a Mississippi guy. Being back in my home state, being within a reasonable driving distance of, of my sisters and my family, and as uh, my nieces and nephews get married or graduate high school or college, it makes it easier to be there and kind of show your face. And so many, and maybe that's part of Joe Moorhead's motivation. You know, it's what, what being closer to family. You know, you're across the country with the grandkids. 
it's a tough deal. All right, and so we have Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame to go to LSU. I think it's a good hire. Some of my friends disagree. I say, well, his offensive system is kind of antiquated. Well, yeah, but I think when you get down to it, you know, LSU's best years, with the exception of the Joe Brady, Joe Burrow year, which is kind of a perfect storm, you know, LSU has kind of been that in-your-face, line-of-scrimmage team that wants to bully you around, and I think that's what Brian Kelly does. I think he goes out and gets guys that can win in the trenches, and then they kind of beat you in a submission. You don't see them, you know, putting up 60, 70 points. They're not, they're not a high-octane offense. They play good defense. They control the line of scrimmage. They control time of possession. They run the football. And so while it may be a little bit antiquated in some concepts, I think in the recruiting footprint, the fact that LSU recruits nationally, I think that he will be able to recruit to that offense at LSU. I don't think there's any question. I think it is a good hire, and I think he'll do well there. I also know this, that they've had trouble beating Alabama. It's like, okay, you have trouble beating Alabama, so let me go be in the same division as those guys. So rather than meet them in the playoffs, I'm going to meet them every year, and they may keep me out of the New Year's Six. They may keep me out of playoff. But I think on its face, when you look at what Scott Woodard has done at LSU, so I mean, just look at his recent hires. And we talk about you know him getting Buzz Williams to go from Virginia Tech to A&M to coach basketball. You know, he gets to LSU, and you go hire Arizona's baseball coach, Jay Johnson, one of the more respected coaches in college baseball, and you bring him to the SEC, that's a power move. You go get national championship women's basketball coach Kim Mulkey, and you bring her home to Baton Rouge, to Louisiana, that's a power move. Now you went out and took Notre Dame's head coach. When's the last time Notre Dame's head coach left for another job? It just doesn't happen. I mean, it's like unprecedented what Scott's doing. And, and then, you know, $15 million, I mean, that's just – it's crazy numbers. It is. But this is a guy that clearly wants to win. And so when I think, too, now granted, we are not at that level, okay? Let's just go and be honest about that. But you know, I look at some of the hires, and, and John Cohen gets a lot of criticism from some of our fans at times for his hiring decisions. But look at when it's worked out. So we go and hire Chris Lamonis, a Power 5 baseball coach, and he comes here and wins an AFL championship. Okay, that's a good move. At Mississippi State Baseball, we'll come hire your coach. We will. We did it with John, right? Greg Byrne goes and hires him away from Kentucky. And so, that you know, I think that's we've done that a couple times now. And you go back and look in the history of Mississippi State Baseball, I mean, you know, we've, we've done that. I mean, you know, granted, Ron Polk was working at Georgia Southern, but they were a team that was a year removed from Omaha. So, you know, we're a destination job when it comes to college baseball. So John goes out and hires a Power 5 baseball coach to come in here, and we win an AFL championship. That, in many respects, I think Andy Canizaro, I think on paper was a great hire because Andy is a great evaluator of talent. Andy is a great recruiter. Andy is a great developer. May not have been the best head coach. But you took a bit of a gamble there. It didn't work out. So you remedy that by bringing in Lamonis, and it's worked out well. You look at what happened with Joe Moorhead. So Mullen leaves. We take a chance and go hire Joe Moorhead, who was considered to be the number one assistant coach in, a, in the country, the top offensive coordinator in the game. So we hire him. We take a chance. It didn't work out. So what do we do? We remedy that by going and get Mike Leach, the guy that everybody in the country wanted to be their head coach. I mean, every time that you have seen an SEC team make a coaching change, you can run to those message boards and everybody – 
without fail. There's at least a handful of fans. Let's go get Mike Leach. Well, John Cohen did it. We went and got Mike Leach. And people were like, oh, that's a weird fit. Well, that just goes to show you what you know about Mike Leach and what you don't know about Mississippi State. You don't know that Mike Leach is a perfect fit for Mississippi State. I didn't know it at the time because I didn't know Mike. But a guy that grew up in Cody, Wyoming, you know, a guy that worked, his dad worked for the Forestry Service, you know, it's a blue-collar guy with blue-collar values. And they say, well, you know, he's kind of eccentric and he lives in Key West. He does. He does. Doesn't change his core values. And so, you know, we've begun to kind of make some power moves too. And I said when we hired Mike Leach, this is not the Mississippi State way of doing things. It's just not. It's not what we have done historically. We have usually gone for the up-and-comer. We've usually gone for the coordinator or for the retread. But instead, we go out there and we take Washington State, another Power 5 head coach, and we bring him to Starkville, and now he's winning. And there were many people that were against it. Oh, Mike Leach is so eccentric, and there's this and there's that, and you're never going to be able to recruit to that offense. I disagreed with that because I think Mike Leach can get a quarterback nationally and kind of supplement, or maybe you don't have a guy in your state. But I don't know if you guys remember this, but Will Rogers from Brandon, Mississippi. From Brandon, Mississippi. So don't tell me Mike Leach can't cultivate and develop an in-state quarterback prospect. He absolutely can. So excited about the direction of that. And so in the event that we have to make a head basketball change, I think you're going to go out and get a guy that can win. You know, on the women's side of things, I think that, uh, you know, kind of like, okay, we took a bit of a chance with Nikki mccray Penson, who on paper was outstanding. You look at Andy Canizaro on paper, outstanding. Look at Jim Moorhead on paper, outstanding. Same thing with Nikki mccray Penson. Incredible pedigree. Olympic gold medalist, All-American, one of the top WNBA players in her, in her time, uh, played for Pat Summit, national championships. I mean, you know, won a national championship as an assistant coach at South Carolina. I mean, the list goes on and on. It just didn't work out. And you can say, well, it wasn't a good hire. When we hired her, it felt like a great hire. It just simply didn't work out. So now we move forward. But I suspect that you're going to see something similar to what you've seen, you know, with Chris Monis and Mike Leach. I think we're going to go get somebody that is a winner, somebody that is a proven winner as a head coach. And so those are things to kind of think about as we kind of move forward. Now, we talked about Miami and Manny Diaz, and at the recording of this show, Miami has not announced a decision. I was told earlier in the week uh, that some people in Miami said, hey, we find out in about 24 hours if we still have a job. Now, some have said, well, you know, they got to hire an AD first. I understand that's close, but, you know, the university president can make that decision. They can say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, we're going to go ahead and make a decision here and terminate Manny and then we will uh, replace him, let the new AD bring his guy in. I mean, there's always that possibility, even though it's two weeks away from signing day. With the transfer portal, you know, if you do have a rough class in December, you can kind of supplement a little bit. So now, and it's funny too, I get blamed for so many things that I didn't say. I've never said that I thought Lane Kiffin was going to get that job. I believe Mario Cristobal is without a doubt the preferred candidate if Miami makes a move. If they don't, then I think Lane Kiffin's in play. Now, according to the social media commentary, I, I've said Lane Kiffin's going to Miami. At this point, I don't believe that. I think Mario Cristobal is a guy that's from there, who has an ailing mother down there, who is a University of Miami alum. It makes perfect sense to go get that guy. They'll probably have to pay through the nose to get him because I don't think Phil Knight, now that Oregon is nasty relevant again, that they're just going to say, oh, it's no big deal. You guys go ahead and go. 
No, I think that would be awfully interesting. But I don't, you know, I've said before on this show, I think Lane Kiffin is at Ole Miss until they fire him. Now, if Miami came open, I think that's something he'd be interested in. But I don't think this is a situation where you would say it's a slam dunk. I also don't know what's important to Lane Kiffin. It's like we talked about with Joe Moorhead. I don't know what's important to Joe other than the fact I know that Joe's family is important to Joe. Joe is very much a family man. I, I don't know what's important to Lane Kiffin. I know that people say he's a beach guy, and maybe he wants to be closer to his place in Boca. Maybe he wants to uh, be out on the water in the off season and enjoy his time. I, I, again, I don't know. I don't know what the currency is there. But the reality of it is, is this, this is only beginning with the coaching carousel because they're going to have these ripple effects because as these huge Power 5 jobs open – because, okay, you fill USC and LSU. Well, now you've got Oklahoma and Notre Dame. Think about that for a second. You've had Florida, LSU, USC, and potentially Ohio State. I hear Ryan Day is getting some, uh, some overtures from the Chicago Bears behind the scenes. And then Notre Dame. You've got some of the top jobs in the country that have changed and come open this year. And so, and it's interesting, too, like Billy Napier in Florida they didn't even get a day. Like, no, nobody could even celebrate the Billy Napier hire nationally because as soon as everybody gets settled with that, Lincoln Riley's gone to SC, and you're thinking, wow, what a power move. And then next thing you know, Brian Kelly's headed to LSU. And so it's like, okay, those jobs are settled, but here's the deal. Oklahoma and Notre Dame are two of the top ten jobs in the country too. So it's like while those schools have filled their spots, you know, the drama and anxiety continues to move forward. Again, I just I think we'll be largely unaffected by this, but there will continue to be a ripple effect because as soon as we get the jobs at Notre Dame and Oklahoma field, there's going to be other openings. There's going to be this wild game of musical chairs. And so while we're kind of taking a breath today and thinking, okay, well, Florida's got their hire, USC's got theirs, LSU's got there, there are some incredible jobs that are still available and some high-powered coaches are going to take those jobs. And then as a result – it's going to go down. Somebody somewhere is going to hire a G5 head coach, right? And then that job is going to open up, and then there's going to be a coordinator out there to get that job. And so it's going to be a wild ride. It always is. And in the backdrop is going to be recruiting. So let's take some time and talk some recruiting. Brought to you by your friends at Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I love the proximity to campus. I absolutely do. 1.1 miles away from God's country. I mean, you can basically walk outside and you, could, you can hear the angels sing. That's how close you are to the Mississippi State campus. But you're far enough away to have some privacy. You can get a two-bedroom, two-bath house up to a four-bedroom, four-bath house, basically any size home for your growing family, or perhaps it's a ball game retreat for you. Maybe it's just a place to stay when you come up to cheer for the Bulldogs. They can handle that for you, too. Or maybe it's an investment property for you. Maybe you're going to buy that in Airbnb it out and just use, uh, you know, ballgame travelers to supplement your income. Here's the cool thing is uh, phase two is under construction. Now, phase one, completely done, guys, completely done. Your new neighbors are already there. Phase two, though, you can have a say picking your lot, picking your house plans. Pretty exciting times. And everybody deserves to do that at least once. I've been told that uh, you don't know how strong your marriage is until you build a house. And you got to deal with all those decisions together. And you find out really who's in charge. Uh, so maybe you need to test yourself in that respect. But Portico, very easy to get to, guys. You turn off of 82 on the 12, the very first ride is Pat Station Road. Next thing you know, boom, you're Portico. It's a great place. Wonderful construction. And listen, you could move a lot of places in Starkville. You could. 
But why not get something brand new? Don't you deserve that? If you're going to make the move, make it worth your while. Don't go buy a place that you got, well, we're going to go fix it up. No, get something that's move in and life ready. That's what you're going to get at Portico. I love the place. Give Brooks Bryan, your family member, Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog, did some great things for us. He was, a, he was a hero to a lot of young people when he was coming up there in the late 90s. Brooks probably got some great stories for you. He could tell you about Richard Lee and Chris Lauderhouse. But give him a call or text today. I'm going to give you his personal cell number. That's what we do on this show. I give everybody's personal cell numbers. I'm going to give your personal cell number to somebody too. But his is 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Learn more about that great new residential development. Very, very nice place. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's talk recruiting. You know, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. It's two weeks from the day. Two weeks from the day the December signing period opens. Mississippi State going to host a dozen or more visitors this weekend. We will have the latest updates on that throughout the week at jeanspage.com. You can find me and Paul Jones over on the True Maroon Forum, and this thing's developing. Paul's doing a great job kind of reaching out to these guys on the in-home visits and kind of previewing their visits. Pretty exciting times. And uh, we both kind of bring some inside intel each day. He does the biscuits, I do the bones. And so you can kind of get up to date. And uh, Paul does a little more basketball stuff too. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, Scotty Hobson ruined me when it comes to basketball recruiting. So I don't keep up with basketball recruiting. Uh, but Paul does that too. So you kind of got some team news and that kind of stuff. But the bones themselves, 100% football recruiting 100% of the time. So go get the latest updates over there today if you're at jeanspage.com, VIP member, and you, you all should be. That's a great Christmas, Christmas gift to give somebody in your family. Give them the, a subscription to jeanspage.com. All right, so, so here's where we are. And uh, I wrote an article earlier today, a free article, called It's Closing Time in a Sip. Now, a month ago, I don't know that any of us really felt this way. You know, it's like, we are, well, you know, Mike Leach and his staff can't recruit, and I think they're proving otherwise. You know, last year we finished 25 on signing day. I think after the dust settled, we dropped to 26. So some people are like, well, it wasn't a top 25 class. It was a top 25 class, not to mention the fact that none of our transfers had any point value. That's something I think that the industry has to correct because the transfer portal's not going away. Because we added Makai Polk. Zero stars. We added Jalen Green. Zero stars. We added Randy Charlton. Uh, zero stars. So, like, even if they had a ranking in an article somewhere, they didn't count in the 247 composite rankings. And so, we're 26 without those guys. And where would this team be without those three players? Right? Think about that for a second. Didn't get any credit for them in the recruiting rankings, but they played it very well for Mississippi State this year. Okay, so – now we have a chance to not only beat a top 25 class, we could be in the top 20. And that's pretty rare air for Mississippi State. And if somebody had told you in Mike Leach's second full class at Mississippi State, you had a potential to be a top 20 class, you'd never believe it. You would have never believed it. Because what you know about Mike Leach is, oh, they're in the 40s and the 60s out there at Washington State. Well, a lot of that is because of the proximity to prospects. They had, sometimes they had to kind of take the leftovers from – you know, California and Florida and places like that because there was not a natural f- recruiting footprint for Washington State. Unless you have some kids at Spokane High School, you're not going to get a lot of in-state because those kids are going to go to UW and Seattle. Just how it works. So Leach and those guys had to get out and grind a little bit harder than everybody else and still won a lot of football games. So now what does he do that you've got, you know, more prospects within your natural recruiting footprint? Well, you're seeing it. You're seeing it right here in person. 
So Trevion Williams from uh, Crystal Springs High School, he is the guy that committed to Florida State, and really when he did it, he meant it. And you can say, well, Stevie decommitted. Well, he didn't come to the SummerSlam cookout because he was concerned about the appearance. Hey, I'm committed to Florida State. I probably don't need to be visiting Mississippi State. I think that says a lot about his character. Now, I was told shortly after he committed that his family really didn't want him going that far away from home for college. But they were going to let him go through the process. And so eventually he kind of figured it out. Maybe I'll stay closer to home. Well, immediately some of the old Miss recruiting people like, oh, we're in great shape there. I have never at any point heard from anybody that I trust that Ole Miss was in great shape with Trevion Williams. And now here we are at the end of the process, and that appears to be true. So he is expected to visit Mississippi State this weekend. I understand that both Mississippi State and Ole Miss will have their weekly in-person visit with him today. Ole Miss is trying to get him to take a visit there rather than to Mississippi State or perhaps come up for a one-day visit after the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game next weekend. Possibility. But I'm told that Trevion Williams has declined multiple invitations to take visits to Ole Miss. I know he went up for a game, and shortly after he got back from the game, my sources began to indicate Trevion Williams had cooled on Ole Miss. Shortly thereafter, he comes to Mississippi State's game with Kentucky, and then lo and behold, there he is during the dog walk wearing his Crystal Springs jacket and greeting your players as they enter the stadium, hugging your coaches. He's there, smiling, having a great time. Next thing I know, I'm told, hey, Trevion Williams really, really trending well for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And so as we get two weeks out, I've never felt better about Mississippi State's positioning with Trevion Williams. Defensive line prospect, many people think that he might be the best prospect in the state when it's all said and done. And that's high praise considering that Branson Robinson of Germantown, who is committed to Georgia, is ranked number one, and that's where I have him. I think – Uh, Branson Robinson is outstanding. Mississippi State was in the game with him early, and then his recruitment blew up, and he wants to be a ball carrier. He's going to have a chance to go play for a national contender, so best of luck to him. Better him at Georgia than Ole Miss, right? So Trevion Williams uh, ranked in the top ten in Mississippi, and I I believe at this point it's safe to say he's going to be a bulldog. Does he announce this weekend? Does he wait at signing day? You know, I don't know. But I I have confidence that it will be Mississippi State no matter what, what day he does it. Now, Jaheim Otis, we've talked about him a great deal. He is from my hometown. I have known about Jaheim Otis since he was a little kid. Didn't know him back then, but I knew who he was. And then he starts coming to camp at Mississippi State. He's like an eighth grader, and he's out there working with the high school prospects as an eighth grader. And you see this guy, and you're like, hey, what year is he? Oh, he's in eighth grade. Eighth grade, are you kidding me? He's been a man among boys his entire life. Committed to Alabama back in April. Now, he has not done a lot with Alabama, this summer and fall. Now, is that indicative of how Alabama is recruiting them? Do they just feel so confident? So, you know what, we're not worried about that. Let's kick and go visit where he wants to. We know he's coming to Tuscaloosa. Don't know. But you begin to ask yourself, if he takes that official visit to Mississippi State this weekend, as we expect, when does he get to Tuscaloosa? Well, the dead period begins next Sunday. And so after the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, he can, you know, obviously make the short trip to Tuscaloosa or perhaps he goes to Oxford. You know, we'll see. That's what's interesting is that here we are with two weekends left and there's three schools that people believe they're jockeying for position. Well, well somebody's going to find out that they're not in the position they thought they were. I hope it's not us. I don't believe it is. I mean, everything that I've been told is that, yes, he will be in Starkville after 
the state championship games this weekend. They play at 11 a.m. on Saturday, so they'll he'll get cleaned up, showered up, celebrate with his family, drive up, spend a night in Starkville, and, and um, stay through Sunday, and then have to report for Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game practices after that. And so he'll be on the practice field Monday. So there was talk about Ole Miss trying to get a midweek visit. Well, that's not going to happen because he is going to be at Miss Al practices next week. So that leaves him the Saturday night and Sunday to consider another visit. Is that Tuscaloosa? Is it Oxford? That's a million-dollar question. And that's why you need to be a subscriber to Gene's Pages. We're going to keep you abreast of all that. Does he even make another visit? A lot of mystery, a lot of intrigue with this. Now, he remains committed to Alabama. But I am told by some people, let's say, close to the situation, that Alabama has not really chased him that hard as of late. And, again, if you're Alabama, you can afford to do that. And I think maybe it's because they're like, you know what, hey, if he didn't want to come, we can get another four-star kid and we'll just keep on rolling. But he has spent more time on the Mississippi State campus than any other college campus this year. Since the dead period was restricted back in June, once they lifted the death period in June, he has spent more time on our campus than any other school, and you could say combined. He has been to Mississippi State more than he has been to Ole Miss and Alabama combined this year. And so if that's not indicative of maybe what perhaps what he's thinking, I don't know what is. So we'll see how things progress. Again, we're chasing Alabama. Ole Miss is chasing us. Stone Blanton, I'm a huge Stone Blanton fan. I admire the two-sport athlete, especially – think about this. He was committed to play SEC baseball, and then he got all these football offers. So he is SEC talent in both sports. Love guys like that. You can win with guys like that. Now, he, of course, had the shoulder injury, you know, uh, back during baseball season. It kind of limited some. And I, I know some people were looking at his early high school tape this year and saying, well, guys, he wasn't in football shape. You go look at his stuff later in the year, it's much better. After he got back in football shape, that shoulder began to heal. The guy looks great. And I think he's a guy, too, that can be the quarterback of your defense. You know, we put a lot on Bookie Watson and Jed Johnson. You know, Zach Arnett puts a lot of trust in those guys to make the checks, make the calls. I think Stone Blanton not only is athletic enough, he's intelligent enough to handle that, to be the captain of the defense. Now, last week, I'll be honest with you, I began to feel like we were fading a little bit. Ole Miss had some momentum. I feel completely opposite this week. I think Mike Leach hit a home run with the in-home visit earlier this week. Now, of course, Ole Miss still has an in-home visit to go, and everybody gets a little bump after that, right? I mean, this is how it is. They get a little bump. But Mississippi State and Ole Miss will be in there and in South Carolina for that respect. I think Beamer's coming in later this week. They get one weekly visit. So we will take one, obviously, this week, next week, and then uh, you know the following week. And then, of course, the dead period begins on the 13th, and it runs through January 13th, and the signing day is the 15th of December. So he, began, he plans to announce a decision December 15th. So you're running out of time to make your impression. But here's the thing that I've always said. If you have to wait to this point to sell a kid on who you are, then you're not much of a recruiter. If it boils down to this, if it boils down to the in-home visit, then you haven't done a good job selling your school. Because, look, there are some vast differences between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And I know many of you have Ole Miss friends and family. I have some Ole Miss family. I don't have really Ole Miss friends. I don't. Um, I think the Hugh Freeze thing kind of uh, pushed those people away from me, and that's okay. Absolutely okay. I love you just the same. Uh, But there are some very 
different cultural cultural issues between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And so when you grow up in this state, you kind of have an idea of what each school is about. And that doesn't mean that necessarily one's better than the other. Of course, I gravitate over to the Mississippi State side. I'm a proud member of an ag family. And my dad grew up on a dairy farm in Jones County, Mississippi, and taught us those values. And, and that, that, that has served me well my entire life. But you know when you grow up in this state – you know, kind of who Ole Miss people are and who Mississippi State people are. And so it never, it's never going to boil down to that. I mean, we like to think it does, and it's like, you know, we need a tiebreaker or whatever. And there are some guys out there that whoever they talk to last usually gets them because they're very impressionable. And so you want to have the last visits. You want to have the last in home. The reality of it is is uh, I, I don't think that's going to matter to Stone Blanton. I think in the end he knows what Mississippi State and what Ole Miss – Yes, and that's not to say that he doesn't have friends on both sides. Obviously, his brother Shane, Shane graduated from Ole Miss. He's got some Ole Miss people in his family and loves them all dearly. And so somebody's going to be disappointed on signing day that he doesn't pick their team. They're not going to be disappointed in him because they love him, as any of us would, right, if it was our own family member. It's like even if, you don't, even if they don't pick your favorite school, you don't love them any less. And so I think in the end that Mississippi State is going to prevail with, with Stone Blanton. I think the baseball factor is a huge part of things. And, it, and he has mentioned that several times. You know, he hears from Chris Simonis every week. And, uh, you know, we just won an AFL championship. And that's the thing that I think about, too. If we can't beat Ole Miss for a, for a kid that, that prioritizes baseball after we've won an AFL championship, you know, then that's, uh, that's concerning, right? And you look at how State's recruiting on the baseball side of things and you see what a great job that Chris Simonis and Jay Gotro and Scott Foxhall – Coach Cheese and those guys are doing, I think you understand the level that we're recruiting right now is, is unprecedented in our history as a baseball program. And I think Stone wants to be a part of that. I really do. I think he'll, he'll sees what Brad Cumbus has been able to do, that Mike Leach and Chris Lamontis has made it work. And I think that is something you look at and you can say, well, you know, John Rice Pumley has played. He has. He has. But if you look at what he and Jerry on Ely have do, they, they, have, they have not played both at a high level in the same year. Now, Brad Cumbus, of course, uh, played a lot of football, but I think baseball's in his future. It's a very difficult undertaking. No matter where you go to school, it's very, very difficult to play both sports at a high level. And, uh, you know, John Rice Plumley, I thought, played some pretty good right field at times for them last year. Very athletic guy, really good, quick picking the ball up off the bat. But he's going to have the opportunity to do it at either school. But I think all things being considered, all things being equal, uh, I think Mississippi State wins out in this one. Uh, and, again, I may feel differently next week. You know, and, and I hate to be that kind of guy, but things change. There's still some variables that are left to uncover in this deal, right? It's like, well, you take this trip or, you know, you have this in-home visit and there's this conversation and there's a lot of pressure on these young men and I think people forget that sometimes. Most important decision of their young lives so far. And so it's really the first adult decision they've made and no matter what they choose, there are going to be some people that are going to be disappointed. And I, when I was their age, we talk about being a people pleaser. When I was 17, 18 years old, I didn't want to make anybody unhappy. I didn't want anybody to think less of me because of maybe a decision that I made. And so it's an important part of it. Uh, Kamari Rogers from Holmes County Central. This is a guy who one time was a number one player in the state of Mississippi. Uh, probably a little bit overvalued at that time, but certainly is a top four, top five type player. We have him ranked at number three right now in our 247 Sports Composite. This is a guy coming off an ACL injury. I'm told he's expected to make a full recovery. I, I, I would have no problem taking him. 
and he is an explosive guy. The same long-limbed athletic corners that Darcel McBath has signed at Mississippi State. This is what he's looking for. Length, athleticism, speed, and Kamari's got a good head on his shoulders. And one of the things that I like about Kamari, the first time that I went and saw him, I thought he was a little bit undersized. But he has some dog in him. This is a guy that's not scared to compete. He's not scared to go hit somebody. Now, now he's grown. He had a nice growth spurt this year. And then all of a sudden you begin to think about what Tyson Brown could do with him in the weight room. You could have another Emmanuel Forbes. And those, I think, are the things that Darcel McBath is recruiting. Guys that will play and run support. Guys that are competitive when the ball is in the air. Guys that listen. Guys that tackle well on the edge. I think Kamara can be all those things. You know, my original concern about him was his size. And then now you look at him, and it's remarkable. He was projected really well. Currently committed to Miami. I'm told in the end that what happens to Manny Diaz is not going to matter because here's the deal. Let's say Manny gets another year and then gets terminated, right? Well, then what, what, what are you left with? Well, now you're down there and you got to go through the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff, so maybe you look to avoid that. He will be officially visiting Mississippi State this weekend. Don't know if he flips this weekend. Don't know if he flips at all. But I believe Mississippi State is trending in a positive direction here. Of course, you got some offensive line prospects we're still dealing with. You know, Percy Lewis is a guy, obviously, that uh, State has prioritized. Ole Miss, uh, very involved with him now, is too. He recently decommitted from Oregon. I still expect him uh, to pick Mississippi State. Ole Miss not going to go away, though. Absolutely not. Not going not, not to go away at all. They're trying to get him to visit them this weekend. He is set to visit Mississippi State next week, weekend, uh, if I remember correctly. But he still has a weekend to work with. That's the bottom line. Ole Miss trying to fill that weekend. So we'll see how things progress. Of course, one of his best friends is Carson Williams, who is currently a Bulldog uh, on the active roster. We signed him last year out of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Jackson LaHue, currently committed to Virginia Tech out of Texas, a massive human being. Expected to visit Mississippi State next weekend. Excited about what he could be. Then you got Trent Ramsey out of Tampa, Florida, visiting Mississippi State this weekend. And so you start looking at the big names here. It's like, okay, we got Cam East, right? And Cam obviously has taken an official visit to Ole Miss. They're trying to make that interesting. State's still hanging on, still working hard. Uh, I believe Mike Leach will be in there next week. Uh, Mississippi State, I think, in the house today or in school today, to see Cam East. So you got Cam East. Lucas Taylor and Jackson Cannon have not shown any issues at all with their recruitment. Of course, Lucas Taylor got it flipped from LSU to Mississippi State. Uh, Jackson Cannon, a kid that had always wanted to play at Mississippi State, got the offer and jumped right on it. So you've got those three. You're looking to add possibly three more. You might take Jackson LeHue, Trent Ramsey, and Percy Lewis if you can get them. Now, there are times I think, well, maybe we should take a guy from the transfer portal. Well, we'll see how things progress. As long as we're under the 85, maybe we could do that. You know, originally I was thinking we'll take four high school guys, Percy Lewis if we can get him, and then a portal guy. Well, now when you've got these guys like Trent Ramsey and, you know, Jackson LeHue, that, that's a relatively late development because of the termination of Justin Fuentes at, uh, at Virginia Tech. All of a sudden he's available to you. And so you need to stack up as many sled pushers as you can get. Now, there's going to be a couple guys leave at some point. You know, some younger guys not seeing a lot of playing time, maybe not developing. And they're going to look to go somewhere else where they can play. You know, and so that's part of the process too. But 
I like the direction this offensive line class is going. Again, we're going to have some guys here. And then uh, we're going to talk a little more on Friday about junior college defensive backs because Mississippi State expected to take two older defensive backs, whether they be from the portal or from the junior college ranks, probably like to get a corner and a safety. So we're going to talk about that some when we do our recruiting segment on Friday. Uh, going to update some of that, too, over at jeanspage.com. If you're not a member, come by and check us out. All right, let's get out of here, guys. And uh, a little bit later than I wanted to be, but I've been on the phone all day trying to get you guys some information. That was the thing yesterday. It's like, I'm going to sit down and write a couple things, and then the phone just starts ringing, and it's like the day gets away from you. So I got to go run to the bank and run some errands and uh, be Mr. Mom for a while. But I look forward to being back with you guys on Friday. And listen, thank you guys so much for your support of the Boneyard and of me and of Gene's page. I can't thank you enough. And uh, if I could, I would uh, buy you all a Coke and we could all sing in harmony. Uh, but it's been a great ride. And people forget, in the beginning, I really didn't want to do a show. Like, people said, hey, would you want to do a podcast? And I was like, no, not really. And so I was, I was kind of reluctant to do it, and it has become such a huge part of my life these days. And i got a lot of people that said, I didn't even know about Gene's page or the books or anything. I just started listening to the podcast because a friend shared it with me. And when you share the Boneyard with your friend, you're being their best friend. You absolutely are. we got some old Miss listeners, too. I've had some people that have walked up at book signings and say, hey, Steve, I know it's kind of weird, but I listen to the show. You know, it's, it's part of the rivalry, right? I mean, everybody wants to kind of keep tabs on each other. We have some people listen to their shows. And so uh, I wish everybody a great Christmas. And um, there was a young lady that came in and bought a copy of Stark Villains this weekend, and I told her she had a son that's a huge fan. And, um, and so I said, hey, why don't you, since you're buying the book, why don't you get him a shirt, too? And I didn't know those existed. Go to StarkVillains.com, and you can get Stark Villain T-shirts and hoodies. And uh, those are actually trademarked now. How cool is that? And um, it's a great group of people that put those things together for me. So that's a great kiss Christmas gift. So if you've got a Boneyard listener on your Christmas list, you're not quite sure what to get them, maybe get them a Stark Villain T-shirt or hoodie. And again, at StarkVillains.com. If you're looking for signed books, I'll be signing a bunch of books today. As a matter of fact, my publisher is coming by the house for me to sign books for you guys, um, you can go to dogpiletobook.com. And right now, what's available is Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. Dogpile will be – I expect to get an update here in the next week or so. It's very, very frustrating for me, and you guys have been so gracious. I get four or five messages a day. Uh, I am just a writer, but, like, nobody knows who to contact other than me, right? And so here's the deal. Uh, still dealing with the paper shortage thing, and, uh, you know, if it doesn't make it before Christmas, there's nothing that I can do. Uh, to remedy that if I could I certainly would and so once we know for sure I'll let you know Uh, but we are within weeks of the book finally being produced and uh, I tell you what I'm worried about is uh, you know how quickly can we turn it around for the second printing you know that's what that's what I worry about you know and so we're going to get you taken care of Uh, it's frustrating for me because I got done writing that book August 26th and now here we are in December still waiting ordinarily it takes about six weeks like Stark Villains, I think, was here in five weeks. Alpha Dogs was six. Flim Flam, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, so it usually only takes about six, maybe eight weeks at the latest. And now here we are, you know, three and a half months later, uh, or just over three months later, and we're waiting on the book. And so it's very frustrating for me. I know it's frustrating for all of you, and I appreciate your patience and, and your kindness. There have been so many people who are like, you know what, Steve, I'll have it when I have it. Thank you so much. And that means a lot to me because, I, again, I guess I'm a people pleaser. I don't want you guys to be upset with me. But when you pay your hard-earned money for something that I wrote and there is a delay in you getting it, it bothers me because I, it's my name on the book. And so I take a lot of responsibility for that, even though I'm not publishing it, contrary to popular belief. 
I've only self-published one book, and that's Blooms of Oleander. You can find that at Amazon, uh, Bar- BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMegan.com, and uh, maybe complete your collection. I know some of you are getting that book for Christmas. How about that? But that's going to do it for today. Again, thank you guys so much. I, I-, I can't begin to say it enough. There are just so many of you that have been so incredibly kind to me, and uh, it means a lot. There have been so many times, too, like I do this stuff on Facebook, and, and uh, somebody will reach out to me when I'm really stressed or I'm really down or I'm really dealing with something, and it, it's always uplifting. I, when I wrote Flim Flam, you guys kind of got me through, to be honest. There were some days that were very, very long days where I felt totally alone, totally alone. Like I was, it was me against the world. And then I get a message from one of you guys, you know, just like, hey, man, looking forward to the book. Can't wait to see this thing come out. Keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate that. And it just like refueled me. And so thank you for that. Thanks for being my friend. I'm just a you know, small town boy from South Mississippi, but I love Mississippi State. Do my best to share the latest and greatest and coolest information about the Bulldogs with all of you. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.